Hello and welcome to Wit Glass Unfiltered. I'm your host, Courtney Huntington. This is episode 17. I'm delighted that you're here with me. I've got a fresh cup of coffee. The coffee maker's turned off. We are ready to go. I don't know if you listened to the previous episode, but if you haven't yet listened to it, I hope that you will because something really interesting happened during episode 16. And uh, I mentioned it on the show, I mentioned it in the show notes, and I'd love to hear from you because uh, I was really impressed with a particular aspect of it. So let me tell you what happened, I'll tell you what I was impressed with. Um, I had a recording problem. I use GarageBand for my recording, and... uh, (laughs) My wife's phone is going off in the background. Don't know if you can hear that, but that's just part of the Wit Glass Unfiltered experience, if you can hear it. Um, so I use GarageBand for recording, but GarageBand shut down as I was recording. What I mean by shut down, it didn't actually freeze, but it gave me an error that uh, system resources were too low to continue recording. And uh, the, the setup that I have for my recording is that I've got... Um, different spaces, um, uh, desktop spaces on my my MacBook. And so I've got the GarageBand setup all in its own full screen space. And I have another space set up with, um, with a, a program called iThoughts, or actually on the Mac it's called iThoughts X. And it's a mind mapping software and that's where I jot down ideas uh, for uh, for what I might talk about on the show uh, just because I jot them down doesn't mean I actually talk about them but that's how I do it and so when I was recording episode 16 I was focusing primarily on that I thoughts X mind map as I was talking and because I've got everything in full screen, with the apps in separate spaces, I didn't see the notification that the recording had stopped until four minutes after it stopped recording. So I had four minutes of me talking that simply didn't get recorded by GarageBand. And at the time, I didn't want to repeat all that stuff, and the show wouldn't make sense without it. Thankfully, as I'm going through the recording of an episode, I set up either my iPad or my iPhone. For the first 10 shows or so, it was always my iPad, but the last few shows, I've switched over to recording with my phone. I don't know exactly how the audio would be different if I had still been recording with the iPad, but the secondary recording that I did on the phone for that episode was actually rather good. Um, I I hope it comes through as well as I think it, it came through. I don't think the quality is quite the same as using my my high quality microphone for the recording, but I was really impressed with the quality of it. And um, I mean, that recording is just there to help me 
keep track of things that I might need to put in the show notes because it has a tagging feature. Uh, the app that I use is called Audio Notes Pro. There's a link in the show notes. Um, it's the app that I use for recording, uh, you know, audio notes and, and things like that. Um, there's another app that I use for recording lectures where I think I'm actually going to be taking notes. Um, but all of my my simple recordings that I'm not going to be actually jotting notes down for, I use this Audio Notes Pro app for because it allows me to press a button and insert a little tag saying, that here's something to take note of, here's something to take note of. And so that's what that recording is really for. It gives me something that I can use to review the podcast later and see if I've promised to put a link in the show notes or anything like that. And so um, I love the app and I am just so uh, blown away by the quality of the recording that the iPhone did using this app. And so I actually took the audio from the phone and inserted it into GarageBand and clipped it down and tried to line it all up. Um, And I didn't try to make it super smooth so that you can't tell anything. Um, Again, I mean, this is Glass Unfiltered, and so I just tried to take it and make it um, fairly clean, but I didn't try to clean up the little pop uh, that might come between tracks or something like that. Um, Maybe that's a... a bad stylistic choice on my part. Maybe that's bad art. Um, but to me, there's something about that raw, unfiltered um, sound that I want to to maintain. I, I just want to keep that for, for the podcast. And um, uh, we'll see if that lasts. You know, that, that might be a lapse in judgment on my part, and uh, hopefully not. Um, but while I'm, I'm talking about this, uh, this is a, a really easy transition into talking about show notes. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I have show notes. I don't know if you've, um, if you've been paying attention the last few episodes, but I now have show notes up for episodes 14, 15, and 16. And I've developed my workflow to the point that I now have a a template document that I use for the show notes all set up and ready to go. And so uh, I'm hoping that it's going to be easy for me to get show notes put up and and send it up there immediately along with uh, every new episode. (coughs) Excuse me. So uh, be looking for that. I do intend to work my way all the way back to episode one. And I intend to fill in uh, specific links that I may reference in the uh, in in the recording. Um, my uh, uh, prepositions here are are getting misaligned. Um, I want to record in the show notes the specific links that I mention in the recording. Um, along with timestamps and, and, and things like that even, which this Audio Notes Pro app allows me to do fairly easily. As long as I remember to press the button that says 
tag, there's something here that needs to be um, followed up on. Uh, but show notes are up, and uh, I've already got the episode 17 show notes, um, you know, half done. I, I've got to finish it up once the topics for this episode are actually complete. I've done the episode. I've talked about this, that, or the other thing, and um, and so I'm excited about the show notes. Um, keep in mind that sponsorships are coming. There's actually a little bit of sponsorship sort of thing going on with the show notes. Um, I The apps and services that I have listed in the show notes are not specifically sponsors. Yeah, I, I want to make that clear. None of them have said, yeah, we want to give you money to sponsor your podcast or here's a special promo code that you can use for your audience. Um, I'm listing those because those are apps and services that I use. And because part of what I do here is talk about technology, I want to give you a clue into the technology that, that I use. Um, I welcome suggestions, but uh, these are the ones that I currently use, and I don't keep using an app if I don't love it. So I wanted to list the apps that I use in preparing the website and the podcast for you. Um, some of those links that you see in the show notes, I have a, 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 an affiliate link set up for. So if you were to click on a link and sign up for the service, I would get some sort of remuneration. Um, fairly small. I'm sure that you know how these affiliate things work, at least in theory. And, um, so it's it's not going to give me a lot, but it's going to give me something. But I don't have an affiliate program for all of those um, all of those apps and services. Some of them don't even have affiliate programs. Uh, some of them I'm still waiting on affiliate accounts to be set up or this or that. But I wanted to go ahead and list the links for you anyway. Because my primary motivation in listing them is not for me to make money, even though that is one of the ways that I can monetize the website and the podcast. The primary motivation for listing them is that I want to share with you the software and services that I'm using. And so uh, take a look through those. Um, I'm actually going to talk about one of those pieces of software today um, along with with some other things. And uh, um, so I, I wanted to draw your attention to, to that list, let you know how those affiliate links and everything are, are, are set up. Um, take a look at those apps. They're really, really great apps. Um, all right. Uh, I, not much has changed in the article world, still working on some things. Uh, right now, the articles are mostly coming in the form of show notes, but I've got others in the works, and I will finish them. I'm going to get back on my, um, my curated link posts as well, which is mostly what you see on the website at this point, um, those articles that uh, have a tagline in the category of and uh, so I, I've got one uh, of those 
already in the works today. And now that I've got my workflow down for the podcast, I'm hoping that some of these articles are going to flow more freely. Um, okay, now let me go ahead and and jump back to that whole Evernote thing because um, I I, um, I I use Evernote every single day. <coughs> I think that I can say that is true without exception uh, at this point. I have probably used Evernote every single day for um, at least five years. I've used Evernote extensively for uh, about eight years now, I think. It may be even longer than that, but I'd say it's it's at least approaching the eight-year mark, uh, and, and I can look back and see what my earliest notes in Evernote were. Um, but I've, I've used Evernote extensively for several years and it is the app where I store my information. But my relationship with Evernote is a, a tenuous one and it has been from the beginning because as much as I love so much of what Evernote does, there are so many other things. Or no, let me say, there are a few things that, in my opinion, um, destroy the user experience. Uh, oh man, it's it's really tough for me to talk about it because I get so passionate about it. I love Evernote so much, and I've offered to them um, to act as a consultant. Uh, um, I even offered, I think at one point to be a free consultant. I just wanted to do what I could to give them input, to help them improve the app. But here's one of the ways that I struggle in talking about the software and the technologies that I'm not a developer. I've flirted with being a developer a number of times. I actually started developing some apps, uh, uh, six, seven, or eight years ago, and just decided at the time that my monetization strategy for those w- wasn't going to be good enough. Um, and, and so I, I passed on those opportunities, and my life went in other directions. But I still think a little bit with that with, with that in mind. Uh, I I do have a a graphic design background, and I did web design uh, for uh, 10 to 15 years. Um, and I still take care of my own websites. But I don't do a lot of coding at this point. Um, I don't even do JavaScript or anything like that. I, I still know some of it, but I'm very out of practice. I, I couldn't sit down and just plug together a website. I mean, I could plug together the bones of a website with the uh, the head and the body and HTML and and uh, the clothes tags and all that kind of stuff. I, I could build a basic old-fashioned website with text on it um, and even embed some images using HTML and the old, um, you know, the old website hierarchical file system and, and uh, those sorts of things. That is so much a part of of my my most recent twenty years of life that 
that I could do that stuff in my sleep, but that doesn't create appealing websites in today's internet. And so uh, I use Squarespace to set up my my internet because, I mean, to set up my web pages because I decided about five years ago that I don't have the time to continue upgrading my my um, web design knowledge base to include the newer codes, the, the newer um, tags, programming languages, etc. That, that go along with that. Um, and and, and I, I thought that I could potentially continue to upgrade that, that uh, knowledge base, but that would require time, and I did not want to devote the time to that. I wanted to, vo- to devote time to other things. So I left that aside, but I still think in those terms at times, particularly in the user experience, the user interface uh, the visual design of an app. When I critique an app, I don't have enough knowledge to critique the app from the standpoint of its architecture, its, uh, its programming. I can talk about it uh, in terms of the top layer of the visual design, and I can talk about it maybe one layer down from that, but I can't dig deep into the programming of an app because I don't have enough knowledge or experience with that. But I'm very good when it comes to usability. And that, to me, is where Evernote has always struggled. Their iPhone app um, has always suffered from uh, sludginess because Evernote insists on prioritizing downloads over new notes. Okay, so downloading of data versus new data creation. So unless you have recently synchronized the Evernote data on your device... And I know I, I said on the f- the phone or iOS a minute ago, but this is actually true of the Mac app as well. Unless you have recently done that, that synchronization so that the data is brought down to your device, the app will prioritize downloading that data over creating a new note, which means that unless you've downloaded all that, you can't just hit the plus button and start a new note. You have to wait. Oh, you can push the button. And it may even respond immediately and pop up the thing that says new note, but you won't be able to actually type anything. Or if you do, if you are able to type something, you might be able to type a letter or two or a word or two. And then it stops responding for a bit. And then it gets to, to another point. It lets you plug in a little more. But until it's done with its downloading, you can't create a new note. Now, over the years, I have told Evernote about this. 
uh, too many times to count. On average, I've probably told it to them uh, 10 or 12 times a year. You've got to fix this. You've got to fix this. I'm a loyal customer. I'm a paying Evernote customer. At this point, I'm an Evernote business customer. And I'm not a big company, so they're not making a ton of money off of me. But they are making the most off of me that they can possibly make off of an individual. And I've told them over and over and over that they've got to fix this, and they still haven't. Now, I can't discuss that deficiency in the Evernote app from an engineering, from a computer engineering standpoint. I can discuss it from a usability standpoint. I can discuss it from a user experience standpoint. And I can tell you, it destroys the user experience. Now, I understand that being a large company or being a growing company, being a small company that's getting big, comes with headaches. There are growing pains, and Evernote has had some serious growing pains over the years. And they're doing some things better now than they did three to five years ago. But the apps are still uber sludgy. It's absolutely incredible to me. Evernote has not significantly improved the user experience in at least three to five years. Now, today's app is way, way better than the app from eight years ago. Way better. The visual design is much cleaner. There was one app that Evernote had uh, for iOS... And it was, probably came out around the time of the iPhone 4S, uh, maybe the iPhone 5. Uh, it had a really, really nice interface, easy to get around. And then, it, but it, it only lasted a very short while because then Apple went to iOS 7 and completely redesigned all of the uh, all of the visual cues of of iOS and Evernote to their credit has always been a first adopter of the the new operating systems particularly with iOS and and so at WWDC they, they say, hey, we're coming out with this great new feature in the next iOS, iOS 7, iOS 8, iOS 9. And day one, pretty much, Evernote has that feature built into their app. That is one thing that Evernote has done, done well. But unfortunately, I feel that Evernote has fallen victim to the this common problem of changing things that don't need to be changed. Another app on that list uh, is Nosby. And again, I've been using Nosby for eight or nine years. I, I forget when I first started using it, but 
Uh, it was a- around the same time as I started using Evernote. Uh, again, I forget which even came first. Evernote probably came first, um, but I can't say that for sure. And I, I love Nosby, but I've had similar love-hate relationship kind of stuff with it because they keep changing things that don't need to be changed and not changing things that do need to be changed. And so, oh, we've got this new fresh coat of paint. Yeah, but it didn't need a fresh coat of paint. It looked great before. Why are you changing that when this other thing, which is actually a usability issue, isn't being changed? And I've had similar discussions with them. I've gotten a little more response from them. Nosby is actually fairly responsive in their uh, in their customer service. But even though they've responded, they haven't changed the way they do things. Nosby is a much, much smaller operation than Evernote. Um, I, I don't know how many users uh, it, Nosby has. It may be in the hundred or hundreds of thousands at this point, I don't know, but it's nowhere near the the millions that that Evernote has. And um, Nosby has a team of, of maybe 15 or 20 people. I, I forget, you could look at the website today and it would tell you exactly how many are on the Nosby team. Um, but I, I, ju- I just want these apps to keep doing the things well that they've been doing well and not change them. Don't get rid of them. Don't redesign them. Just change the things that need changing. At least change them first. Yes, I want new features. I really, really want new features. Now, one of the big features I really want from Evernote that I was hoping was going to come with their business accounts and their messaging at some point did indicate that there might be something like this, but they haven't followed through on it, is that I wanted uh, improved security. I, I, you know, I want client-side encryption. I want um, it to be HIPAA-compliant and, and that kind of stuff so that I can truly store um, secure private data in there. Uh, now, that that's partly motivated by the fact that uh, I do consulting work, um, and some of the consulting work that I do is about uh, very personal um you know, private issues, um, consulting, counseling kind of stuff. And, and I don't want that information to get out. So, uh, any, any of that kind of really, really sensitive stuff, I can't store in Evernote. Uh, Evernote a few years ago had a a data breach and, uh, they demonstrated through that, that they weren't that interested in security and now recently they've switched to Google servers and have doubled down on their insistence that they're not going to be secure and that if you don't want anybody to look at your data on uh, the server side or this or that, that uh, tough luck, go somewhere else. And that is probably the one thing that is most significant to me. Um, But Evernote apparently falls in the the Google school of thought that, hey, if, if you don't want other people to see your private data, 
then uh, you must be doing something illegal and you shouldn't be doing that illegal thing. Well, forget you. It's mine. It's my private data. I have the right to demand privacy. So, recently, I said to my wife, I guess it's a couple weeks ago now, I said, I think I'm leaving Evernote. And uh, so there's another app that I've tried out extensively in the past. And because of the mobility of my lifestyle, um, it just didn't work for me. I didn't sit at a desktop all day and have all my data sitting there. I needed to be able to take my data with me. And this app didn't have um, good enough easy enough syncing and that they their iOS app was non-existent for years and then even when it did exist it was not very good but they've made a lot of improvements the last three years and this app is called DevonThink it's from Devon Technologies and it's an amazing app It has features that Evernote at this point can only dream of. And I love it. But now that I've been trying to use it again for uh, a couple weeks, um, it's become clear to me that my my workflow is going to have to somehow incorporate both DevonThink and Evernote. Because at this point, Evernote is too tightly integrated with the apps that I use. Um, and, and so I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted on how that develops. I, I want to switch in the direction of EvanThink because I can do client-side encryption and things like that. But I, I'm just going to have to work on, on incorporating it. And part of that is going to have to involve shareability to be able to share um, notes or files or databases with other people. And I know that there are ways to do that, but DevonThink doesn't come from the ease of use school of thought. It comes from the feature-rich school of thought. And they would rather sacrifice usability for power, for powerful features, then sacrifice powerful features for usability. And that, that's a, a trade-off. I don't blame them for that, but the learning curve is steeper and certain things that are really easy in Evernote are not as easy in DevonThink. So I'll keep you posted on how that goes. Um, and, and while we're talking about this sort of thing, this is a great place to insert Apple into the discussion about quality, usability, features. Apple obviously has shown in recent years that they're willing to lose features for usability. That happened with numbers and pages uh, and Keynote. Um, I, they lost tons of features. And I'm a, I'm a design guy. I love designing documents. I used to do um, book design and layout and magazine design and layout. And, and so I love to be able to get down into the nitty gritty and 
make things just exactly the way I want them to be. And um, I read lots of discussion threads about this. A lot of other people were seriously unhappy with Apple's decision to dumb down those apps when they simplified the the yeah that they simplified the the UI um, and part of that was motivated by the fact that they were increasing the ability of those apps on iOS and iOS had developed to the point that it could handle desktop level features but it couldn't handle all of them. So they, and I, I, I don't know anybody at Apple. I don't have any, any deep insight into their reasoning here. I'm just going on public statements and I'm going on my memory about those public statements. Um, but Apple's decision-making process here seemed to be that because iOS was now powerful enough to support most of the desktop features and because portability and sharing and synchronization and mobility across devices was the direction that business was going and the direction that Apple wanted to go, that it was better to have the desktop app dumbed down a little bit and the iOS app smarted up a little bit to match each other. Now, a lot of people were upset with that. <clears throat> I didn't particularly like it, but thankfully, uh, when that happened, I wasn't a professional layout person because if I had been, I probably would have pulled my hair out like apparently a lot of other people were. And, um, and so it didn't it didn't hit me as hard as it hit some other people. Um, but it's interesting to me that Apple made that decision. Now, obviously, it's paying off for them. They've added most of the features back in. Uh, I haven't looked at it in the most recent updates uh, because I know that they've done some real redesigning of the apps, and, and I just haven't spent as much time in them the past six months or so. And, and so... Um, you know, I, I can't speak to that, but I am interested to see how they've, how they've added features back in and improved that, that part of the user experience. Um, but it is really interesting to me to watch the process. And I think that people love to tear Apple down because Apple's the big dog and Apple is very public about their desire for quality and and so if something doesn't happen with the kind of quality that they say people are quick to to slam them and that comes with the territory but i've used throughout this process as people have complained about apple's um applications and and user interfaces and feature sets and this and that i've used other devices android windows um, Windows Phone, and every time I use one of them, I'm reminded again of how much better the Apple products are. 
Now, I've gone over my time today, so I'm going to stop there. I hope you enjoyed discussing technology with me today, and I will look forward to being back with you soon. Keep an eye on the show notes and keep an eye out for new articles. Have a great day. Thanks for being with me.